Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. Yeah, we're so excited. And here's what I feel. Here's, here's my heart for the church right now. It seems like we are in a, a key moment here as a nation and, and as a church. Um, and I feel like God is about to do something special here in California. This is a time where it seems like a lot of people are fleeing California. I don't know about you. In Vacaville, a lot of people have moved to Idaho, Texas, and Tennessee. Um, But I want to let you know, we're not leaving California. Because I believe God is on the move in California. And when culture gets darker, it is the opportunity for the church to get brighter. Jesus called us a city set on a hill. So I think when culture seems to be getting crazy, God is preparing his church for a fresh outpouring of his holy spirit my my father-in-law always says there's nothing a move of the holy spirit there's nothing uh that that a move of the holy spirit can't fix and i believe when revival happens man people are going to be flocking it's going to shift culture and so i want to encourage you the church is not a building you are the church and so today what i want to talk about is what it looks like to love like jesus Because that is our main role as the church, as we worship God for the people around us. We are called to love the way Jesus loves us. We cannot love the way Jesus loves us until we've experienced that love firsthand. And and, and when it talks about love in the New Testament specifically, there's four different words in the Greek because the Bible is written in Greek. Um, But the the main word for love that is used when it talks about God's love for us is agape love, agape love. I don't, I don't know the right way to say it. Um, but, but that type of love is an unrelenting, unconditional, all-in type of love. It's not based off of what you've done, who you were, but it's based off of the goodness of who God is. And it is continual and constant. Just like the waves crashing on the beach, it is continual. That is the type of love God wants to give you. And not only does he want to give it to us, God is calling us to to love the way that he has loved us. And so today I want to talk about that. And uh, we're going to start in 1 John uh, 3.16. You've heard of John 3.16? But this is like the other brother who's not talked about as much. But it's still super cool. Um, 1 John 3.16. And you could turn there in your Bibles if you have paper Bibles. Or you can flip there on your phone. Or they're going to have it on the screen behind us. It starts with this. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us. What is love? It's the fact that Jesus laid down his life for us. How many of you are grateful for the fact that Jesus came and gave everything so that we could be restored in relationship with him? Are you grateful that he forgave us of our sins, that he gave us new life? This is what he did for us. The fact that Jesus gave his life for us is the most important thing in the world, and this is what love is. We continue. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. It's not as fun as the first verse. Like, I like the part where Jesus dies for me. I don't want to do that for my brother and sister. 
It depends who your brothers and sisters are. Um, verse 17, I digress. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in them? Dear children, we are the children he's talking to. Let us not love with words or speech, but in actions and truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. He knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of the Son of Jesus Christ and to love one another as he has commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know by the spirit that he gave us. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray that as a church, we wouldn't just talk about love. We wouldn't just sing about love. We wouldn't just hear about love on Sundays. But God, I pray that you would empower us to love the way that you love. God, we're thankful, thankful for what you've done for us on the cross. And God, I pray today that you would show up and you would reveal your love to every single person in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, since we're in church, I think it's appropriate that to, to be honest and vulnerable. And so that's what I'm gonna do with you right now. There are areas in my life that I struggle and there are things in my life that I just can't seem to break. And so today I wanna share some of that and, and something that has just become a habit of mine that, that I do not like is the fact that I purchase things on Instagram ads too often, more than I like to admit. And it's usually dumb things that I don't need. Um, Anyone else have this problem where, where you buy things off of ads? Sierra? No? Hands raised? No? Okay. Um, it's crazy how Instagram ads know what you want before you even know you want it. It's like you will have a thought, like I need deodorant. And then all of a sudden an ad for deodorant shows up on your phone. It's some sort of dark magic or something um, that Instagram is running. And they just know what you want before you want it. But the reality of Instagram ads is Instagram ads are just the 21st century version of TV infomercials. How many of you guys know TV infomercials? They're just out of hand and crazy and out of control. Um, but the problem that I have purchasing things on Instagram didn't start with me. It's a generational thing. Um, started with my dad. You know, my dad's physique that he has now wasn't always a reality. And I remember being young and all the time my dad was buying different ab devices <laughs> off of infomercials. He got the ab chair, you know, that you just sit in and move around. He got the ab roller, you like roll out and kind of do a plank or you could just do a plank and not buy the ab roller. He bought the ab shocker. This one, you strap onto your belly. Anyone have this? You, you put it on. You could be eating McDonald's, and this is shocking your abs, giving you the abs supposedly. Of your, he even bought the ab cream, which I don't know how that works. You just rub it on, and it gives you abs. But here's the thing about those infomercials. The infomercials are always like, this product is miraculous. 
This product you can only use for five days and you will have the abs of your dream. You don't have to change your lifestyle. You don't have to change your diet. You don't even have to work out and you could have the abs you've always wanted and then it cuts to a picture of a person who's never had a carb in their life. And it just sucks us. And, and here's the thing about infomercials. They always promise a lot. They always talk a lot. But rarely do they deliver. They, 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 they say, hey, here's, here's what can happen. You don't have to do anything. But rarely that's not the case. Like if you want abs, you need to work out. You need to eat healthy. You need to do all of those things. But an infomercial talks a lot, but has little to deliver. And here's what I believe, that as a church, if we want to be effective in the culture that we are living in, we cannot be an infomercial style church where we talk about love, where we sing about love, where we hear about love, but yet we do not love the way that Jesus is calling us to love. We cannot be a church that only talks about it. We have to love like Jesus and here's what I believe, the effectiveness and the relevancy of the church in culture is 100% dependent on how we love those who are closest to us in our community. Let me say that, how we love those who are closest to us. We can say we love Jesus and love people from afar, but a true test of whether or not we show love the way Jesus has shown us love is by those who are in close proximity to us. Notice he says brothers and sisters. He's talking about the church. How can we try to tell the church they need the love that we have, but yet we do not love each other? We do not love our family. We do not love our coworkers. We don't love our neighbors the way that Jesus has called us to love. Because if we want to be a city set on a hill, if we want to bring light to culture, we can't just talk about love. We need to show that love and we need to live that love. Because here's what I believe, the church is the hope of the world. The church is a place that is supposed to bring freedom and life and purpose. The church is not buildings, like I said, it's people but the church is not doing its job if the church isn't loving the way that Jesus has loved us. So what does it look like to love? Like I said before, the word agape describes God's love towards us. But when we get to John uh, chapter, chapter 3 verse 18, he says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but in actions and truth. The word for love here is actually different than just agape. Agape is a noun. It's something God gives to us. What John is saying right here, he's using the word agapeo, which is a verb. It is an action. Agapeo can only be done in action. You can't say I love you and give agapeo. You have to show that you love. You have to demonstrate that you love. It's reflected in your actions, it's reflected in the way that we talk to one another. It's reflected in the way that you show love to the person who's sitting in your row that maybe kind of annoys you, or that coworker who gets on your nerves, or that person who has a different political belief than you. It's reflected in the way that we show love to each other. It's reflected in the way, husbands, that we talk to our wives, children, how we talk to our parents. We can say that we love someone on Instagram. That's easy. 
It's easy to talk about how we love people on social media because you can choose who to love from a distance. Someone gets on your nerves, you just unfollow them. It's difficult to love those who you're in close proximity with, but that's the determiner and the test of what true love is, how we love each other. So what does this love that Jesus looks like? Let me tell you this, when it comes to understanding this type of love, this agapeo, this love in action, the first thing I want to tell you, and it will go against every like Disney movie you've ever watched, when it comes to loving like Jesus, don't follow your heart. I'm gonna say it one more time, don't follow your heart. When it comes to understanding what love is, our feelings are a horrible indicator of what love is. You don't believe me? That's okay. I have a scripture for you. Jeremiah 17, 9. It says this. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Our hearts are messed up. Who can understand it? If we don't even understand our hearts... How do we expect to know that the love that our heart is telling us to give is real if we don't even understand what's happening? And beyond that, our hearts are deceitful. And so when we choose to love, just based off of what feels good, oh, this feels like love, whatever feels nice, that's what love is, we're following our hearts. We're following our emotions. We're following our feelings, you know, when we follow our feelings, we're reduced to living without vision. And we just make, it's like when you walk into your room and the lights are off and you're trying to feel where the furniture is. You can't move without vision. You have to rely on your feelings. And it's not a good indicator. It's not a good indicator of what love is. You see, Christian love and the way God loves us is not led by feelings. That's culture's way of love. That's like a junior high version of love. Like, oh, I love this person. No, you don't. Um, <laughs> Christian love leads us to the cross. If you want to know what love is, be led to the cross. If you want to know how to love like Jesus, we have to be led to the cross, not by our emotions. So today I want to look at the cross and how Jesus demonstrated his love for us because Jesus did it for us and then John tells us this is how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to treat others. So, so let's go to the other John 3.16, the other John 3.16, the better looking John 3.16, more famous John 3.16. It says this and, and probably you know it even if it's your first time in church because you've seen people holding the signs at baseball games. It says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is what love is. This is how God defines love. The fact that God gave his only son, and now he forgives us of our sins. What does true love look like? True love simply looks like giving and forgiving. If we want to love like Jesus, we need to live a life that is continually and constantly giving and forgiving. The pinnacle of Christian maturity is a life that is continually giving and forgiving. If you want to grow as a believer, 
What it looks like is learning to be more selfless in giving and learning to forgive. This is what love looks like. Love is not a feeling. Love is not what makes us feel good. Love is giving and forgiving because that's how Jesus demonstrated his love for us. So I wanna ask you today, are you living a life that's giving and forgiving? You see, the opposite of giving is taking. Taking is self-centered. Living a life of taking makes my life all about me, all about what I can get. It's all about being served and not serving. It's all about being right more than restoring relationships. It's all about having the last word in every argument. Where Jesus calls us to live a different way. He says it's not about us. It's not about what you know. It's not about how well you argue. It's not about being the king of your castle, but it's actually about giving. It's about dying to yourself. It's about laying down your life because that's what Jesus did for us. And so I wanna ask you, when it comes to your life and the patterns you live, is it a life of giving? Is it a life of selflessness? Is it a life that gives like Jesus gave? Because that's how we're supposed to live as Christians. That's what loving looks like. You could say you love someone, but if you're not living with humility and grace, are you quick to give grace to someone when they hurt you? When they say something that annoys you, when they bother you, are you quick to give grace? Because that is a mark of living love. Being quick to show grace and mercy. That's what we're called to as believers. The second thing we're called to do is forgive. This is difficult. It's not easy to forgive. We love justice. We love making sure things are right. And oftentimes that makes it difficult to forgive. Let me say this, forgiveness is not about the other person, it's about me. Forgiveness is about you. We don't forgive to try to make them better. We forgive so that we can get healthy. C.S. Lewis talks about bitterness. He says, bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. It's not gonna happen. Culture reflects this lifestyle of unforgiveness holding people based off of their past wrongs. And, and yes, we want accountability, all of that. But we need to learn as believers to forgive. So I wanna ask you today, who do you need to forgive? Because we can't say we love Jesus and not forgive like Jesus. Maybe you've been carrying something since your childhood. I believe there's freedom in forgiveness. It's not denial. Forgiveness is not denial. It's not saying that thing didn't happen. No, the hurt and the pain was real. But forgiveness is saying, God, I surrender that to you and I lay it down at your feet. It's breaking off chains. Jesus frees us, but oftentimes we hold on to chains and we need to let go of them. That's what forgiveness is. And, and, and when you forgive someone, you don't have to be like buddy-buddy with them, like close, hang out all the time. No, you, don't, you can have boundaries and thank God for boundaries. But it is a condition of your heart. And if we say we love Jesus, yet we do not forgive the way Jesus has forgiven us, we might, be, we might be missing out on the whole point of all of this. We're good at talking about it, but we're not good at living it. And so I wanna, I wanna give four things as we end on what happens to us when we experience and encounter the love of Jesus, and then we put that love into action. 
And so the first thing that we see happens to us, and this comes out of 1 John 3, 19, is that we know that we belong to the truth. We know that we belong to the truth. When you experience the love of Jesus and then you begin to show that love to people around you, you will have an assurance of this is truth. This is reality. We live in a culture where truth seems to be relative to everyone's personal experience. I want to let you know that as believers, we believe in an absolute truth. It is the word of God and it is who Jesus is. But in culture, we say like, oh, live your truth, be your truth. If it's not true, it doesn't matter how true it is to you, it's still not true. But there is a greater truth. And how do we know that our truth is the real truth? It's by experiencing what Jesus has done for us and then putting it into action. Maybe we get so insecure about, man, I don't know if this is real or not, because we're not putting to practice the things Jesus has told us to do. It's not just about coming on a Sunday, although that is important. It's about loving like Jesus. Loving first those closest to us and then everyone around us. We love like Jesus. You see, truth, I've heard it said it's like a lion. You don't need to defend a lion. A lion can defend itself. You just need to let it out of its cage. The truth of who Jesus is, like Jesus isn't insecure. He's not worried. No, the truth is so powerful. It's so effective. And what we need to know as believers is that we have an assurance in that truth. Can I make a personal request that as a church, as the church, can we stop arguing online? It's not effective. It doesn't work. If anything, it just builds up our own ego. And it's us masking our insecurities by arguing online. It's not changing people's mind. Let's just love our neighbors. Let's love those in this room first. Because it's easy to argue. It's easy to point fingers. But is that pointing people to Jesus? You see, we're not giving people facts. The facts will not set you free. The truth will set you free. And truth is a person. It's Jesus. And truth cares about people. And truth cares about people's feelings. And so I think it's important that as a church, we actually live this love. And we don't play the games that culture's playing expecting a different result. We've, we're called to live greater. And so we will belong to the truth. The second thing is it's, it says in 1 John three nineteen that we set our hearts at rest in his presence. When we experience God's love and then we begin to live that love out, we find our home in God's presence. I wanna let you know that you were created on purpose and for a purpose and your purpose is to exist within the presence of God. What marks us as believers, what distinguishes us from all other people on the planet is the fact that God's presence is with us. And what we are searching for and what culture is searching for is their home in the presence of God. There's so much anxiety and fear and worry and that's caused by a lot of things, but those are all symptoms of the fact that we were created to live in the presence of God. That's supposed to be our home. It's supposed to go with us everywhere that we go. And what a lot gives us access to the, that presence 
is experiencing the love of God and then living out that love of God. If you haven't felt God's presence in a while, I want to let you know today that God wants to make himself real to you. But maybe there are roadblocks in front of you. Maybe there's an area of your life where you're like, you know what, I need to give. Or maybe you need to forgive someone and then that will open up the channels to make us sensitive and aware of God's presence. So maybe you haven't experienced God's presence in a while. I want to ask you, what do you need to give? Who do you need to forgive? Because oftentimes we get stuck. And God hasn't called us to be stuck, but he wants to give you freedom. The third thing that happens is we have a confidence before God. I believe more than ever, the world needs confident Christians. We don't need to live in worry. We don't need to live in fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but I believe he wants to give you a confidence, a confidence that says, I know who I am. I know what God has done in my life. You can't put condemnation on me. Yeah, you might know my past, but you can't take me down because I know who I am in Jesus. When you know who you are in Jesus, you become unstoppable. God wants to give you that sort of confidence, that sort of assurance. But how does that come? By experiencing the love of God and then living the love of God. Putting it to action. Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that, may, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Some of you today, you're f- dealing with so much condemnation and fear and insecurity of I'm not good enough. God will never love me. I wanna let you know that that is a lie and that the creator of the universe loves you. He loves you so much that he gave everything for you and he forgives you of your past and you can walk with confidence to his throne. And if we wanna love better, we need to know our position in Christ, that we are forgiven and we have full access, complete access to who he is. We can walk in confidence. And then lastly, and the band can come up. It says this in 1 John 3, 24. This is how we know that he lives in us. When we love like Jesus, not just in words, but in action, this is how we know that he lives in us. What is this talking about? It's talking about abiding with God, being with him. It takes the church out of the four walls in a Sunday service not just a place we go to, but it's a part of our life. It's a part of our, our everyday living, our eating, our sleeping, our drinking, our going to work. In everything we do, we abide in Christ. And he abides in us. It's no longer your strength. It's no longer our good deeds, but it's the strength of a God who gave everything to us. No longer are we alone but we have someone with us who lives in us because he's given us a love that's so far beyond comprehension. And when we begin to live out that love, we begin to love our neighbors. We begin to give and forgive. We have God going with us everywhere that we go. You don't have to be alone. This is what we are created for, to abide in his presence. This is what God's calling you to do. Church cannot just be something we do. It has to be who we are. And John was writing this. He wasn't writing about it from a theoretical standpoint. 
It wasn't like, oh yeah, the love of God, I've heard about it. He was writing about it from a firsthand experience. John walked with Jesus while he was on earth. He saw him heal the blind eyes, raise Lazarus from the grave. He saw him break shame and guilt off of people who were caught in addiction. He saw the type of love that Jesus lived. He was there at the Last Supper, probably trying to get as close to Jesus as possible, hanging on every word, just wanting to be near and close to him. He was there when Judas betrayed him. When the guards took Jesus, Peter cut off the servant's ear. Jesus healed him. He saw all of that. He saw Jesus being whipped and beaten for our transgressions. He saw them put the crown of thorns. He saw the shame that Jesus took for us. John saw it. Not only that, when a lot of the disciples had run off and were living in fear, you know where John was when Jesus was hanging on the cross? He was at the foot of the cross. There's, there's an interaction in John 19, 25. It says this, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, that's John writing about himself. <laughs> So the disciple whom he loved standing nearby said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. So what was Jesus saying? Jesus was hanging on the cross, dying for the sins of humanity. The greatest act of love the world has ever seen. While we were still sinners, he died for us. And he's up there and he looks down at his mom and he looks down at John and he's like, hey, John, take care of my mom but I just want you to imagine John looked Jesus in the eyes while standing at the foot of the cross. He was there. It wasn't something he just talked about. It wasn't something his parents taught him. He had a first-hand experience with the God of the universe and the greatest act of love the world has ever seen. He looked at Jesus face to face. And that experience of Jesus on the cross and John there changed his life forever. So here's what you have to understand. The mission of the cross is for the world. Like Jesus was dying for the sins of all humanity, but the application of the cross was for those who were right in front of him, his mom and the disciple whom he loved. The mission of the church is to be the hope for humanity. The mission of the church is to be a city set on a hill, a light unto the world. But the application is to love those who are right in front of us. And we like to talk about theories and theorize about God's love. But really when it comes down to it, it's about giving and forgiving those who are closest to us. But we cannot do this unless we've experienced firsthand. So I want to ask you today, have you gone to the foot of the cross and looked your Savior face to face? Because the Christian walk is a pathway that continually takes us back to the foot of the cross. 
Maturity in Christ is coming back to the first place, our first love, and looking at Jesus face to face. And what happens when we see Jesus face to face is we have an honest assessment of where we are at. I'm not good enough. I'm broken. I'm sinful. And I need a Savior. Have you looked into the eyes of love that want to give you freedom and hope and purpose and value? That want to give you a new identity? It's Father's Day and maybe you grew up without a father and your broken home skews your view of the way you view God the Father. I want to let you know that there is a God who will never leave you, a father who will never, never abandon you, never hurt you, but wants to give you new life and peace and joy. But there will come a day where every single person will stand before the King of Kings and we will look Jesus face to face and you will not be there with your family. You will not be there with your spouse. You will not be there with your coworker, but it's just gonna be you and Jesus. And he will look at you and he will ask, did you do the best with what I gave you? And we're not gonna be able to say, well, they annoyed me and they hurt me. And if, if only that didn't happen to me. No, Jesus can ask, did you love the way that I loved you? Did you give and did you forgive? But it starts right now. That you have, we have the opportunity to come to the cross today and experience the fullness of the love of Jesus. If our Christianity becomes about anything other than that, we're missing the point. If you're relying on your parents' faith, you need to experience him personally. Have you met with Jesus? Have you gone to the foot of the cross just like John did and looked at Jesus face to face? Because this is not just something we can talk about as the church, but it has to be something we live. Culture is getting crazy. There's so much happening, but I believe more than ever, the church is the hope of the world, but we have to love like Jesus. No more infomercial style church. We gotta take care of those people around us because that's what Jesus did for us. That's what Jesus did for us. So today I wanna to ask, who do you, what do you need to give and who do you need to forgive? Maybe today you need to experience the forgiveness and love and giving of your Father in heaven. You need to give everything to Jesus and start a relationship with him. There's grace, there's freedom, there's peace, there's hope. But now, because Jesus laid down his life for us, we now have to lay down our life for our brothers and sisters. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And it's the most beautiful, amazing, fulfilling adventure you can do with your life is giving and forgiving. Giving and forgiving. It's not easy, but you have the Holy Spirit with you. It gets hard sometimes, but God's with you. And when you've experienced the immense forgiveness and love of Jesus, it makes it easier to love people and forgive people. So I wanna pray for us as we end. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Today, maybe you're in church and you're like, man, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm messed up. I need to experience the love of Jesus firsthand. I need the grace and forgiveness that you talked about. 
Romans says that we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth and we will be saved. And so today I wanna let you know there's an opportunity to repent of your sins, to say, God, I'm messed up, I'm broken, and put your faith in Jesus and he wants to give you new life, new hope, and a new way of living. So today, with nobody looking around, if you'd say, you know what? Today, I, I wanna start a relationship with Jesus. I wanna look at Jesus at the foot of the cross and I want forgiveness of my sins. If that's you, would you just wave your hand? I wanna pray with you. If that's you today. Awesome. There's a fresh start. It's new life. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know, like that's me. God sees it. Can we pray this prayer together, all together? Can we say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross and I believe you rose again. And today I want to start a relationship with you. I commit to following you all the days of my life until I see you face to face. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, can we give it up for all those who prayed that prayer? Here's what I wanna do, but before we worship, can we just stand to our feet? Come on, as the church, can we lift our hands in the air if you're comfortable? I wanna pray for us. I believe God is calling us to not just talk about love, but to live that love. So I'm asking you today, who do you need to, what do you need to give? Who do you need to forgive? So Jesus, we come to you and we just thank you for what you've done for us. God, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. God, that you have been faithful every step of the way in the highs and in the lows. God, we thank you for your love of what you showed us on the cross. And God, I pray that you would help us love the way that you've loved us. God, you would love, you would help us love, God, those who are just difficult to love. God, you would help us be those who serve and give, who are quick to forgive. God, I even pray over someone right now, God, who's been holding on to something. God, I pray that they would walk into forgiveness right now. And God, we would begin to live out that love that we've experienced in you. God, we love you and we're grateful for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.